1: Let's get this dinner party started.
0: Okay, and you're on time?
2: My name is Adrian Lester, and you're listening to The Honest Actors
0: Podcast. Hi, my name's Jonathan Harden, and you're listening to episode two of The Honest Actors Podcast, series three, sponsored by TodayTix. If you want great offers on theatre tickets, access today's seats on your mobile and exclusive front row lotteries, you need Today Ticks. The ticketing app that lets you see theatre differently. To get tickets with no cues and no fuss, download Today Ticks now from the Apple Store and from Google Play. Boom. Before I let you hear this interview, though, I'm going to ask a few things of you, which should come as no surprise. If you've already heard episode one with Kate Fleetwood, they're exactly the same things please go onto social media and share your favourite moments from the past three seasons with the hashtag best of honest actors please also if you're feeling particularly full of the joys of the season leave a lovely rating and a generous review on iTunes or wherever it is that you get your podcasts if such things are possible I'd also ask you to tell your family and friends orally if you don't mind because those things still matter uh, So please, please, please do tell people that the podcast is back I think that's it really Do I have anything else to ask? No. Nah, here it is This is uh, episode 2 with Adrian Lester Just uh, before I let you hear it I should say this was recorded way back in October of 2017 But three days after I talked to Kate as it happens. Again, this was done at Adrian's home address and uh, I have to admit that it's one of the few moments in the podcast when I've been a little bit, starstruck's the wrong word, a little bit kind of pinching myself as someone who watched Adrian on television uh, growing up. and uh, Growing up, I guess, when I was an adult. Uh, But I watched him on TV and then all of a sudden, by the virtue of this podcast, find myself knocking on his front door. And then, even more bizarre... A man that looks remarkably like Adrian Lester off the TV answers. So uh, I it took me a little while to settle into this one. I should apologise um, for there's a little bit of sweater noise on the microphone. It's Adrian's microphone. And uh, I wasn't wearing headphones for this one. Got cocky, regretted it, never did it again. So I wasn't aware of some of the issues with the sound as I was recording. I've cleaned it up a bit, I think, but it may still be not up to the usual standard, so apologies for that. This is a cracking interview, I think. Adrian was a cracking interviewee, and uh, I hope you enjoy it as much as I did. Here it is, episode two, with the wonderful Adrian Lester. Enjoy.
2: Uh, where did it all begin? I, I When I was about when I was nine, not about nine, I was nine, um, I joined uh, a cathedral choir in Birmingham where I was born and raised. And um, I started singing treble in that choir. So I sang lots of masses, you know, Mozart and Hayden and Bach and stuff. And then um, I, I uh, joined from there, joined the Children's Opera Company at Midlands Arts Centre in Birmingham. And I was, I did two performances with them just before my voice broke. But one of the performances I did, um, a, a guy from the choir linked me to the, uh, to the children's opera company. And when I was in there, one of the performances I did, uh, we did a, a, an, an opera, um, called Dragon Tales of Granny Chang. Um, uh,
0: I don't um, mean to laugh because it's, just, really. it's a great title. It's,
2: uh, in terms of casting, it was ahead of its time. Um, so <laughs> <laughs> there I was uh, singing um, uh, singing opera at Midlands Arts Centre and uh, didn't have a te- real taste for opera um, but what fascinated me was the, the youth theatre. Um, the, the director had got members of the youth theatre to come along and do sort of dumb show for all these stories we were singing. Um, us kids singing stories, and uh, I remember singing and just taking my eye off the conductor and being fascinated by what this the youth theatre were doing, um, and and just staring at them as they were sort of bringing to life from nothing, right. just bringing to life all these stories. I thought oh, that's amazing. And then I joined the youth theatre, and that was it. I was kind of, so what did you join then? I was fourteen. 12, 14 19, I joined the youth theatre, and, and then I was just hooked. Every summer plays, uh, wrote and directed a play when I was 16, was determined to go to drama school, and yeah, you know, so just carried on from there.
0: And uh, was it a family push to go into the singing? Was that Did that come from the family? To connect, was it a religious thing, or was it just a sing? Did the family sing? There was a real appreciation of music um, in the family,
2: uh, as I found across the board really with my family. Um, every household, but uh, it was it was just me when I was when I was younger. I used to love copying Michael Jackson's dance moves and singing, and glued to the television, top of the pops, and all that. And then I just uh, went for the um, went for the audition, and at school as well, I was
0: I was always in primary school. I was always singing a lot. So there's no resistance, I guess, from the family to the no, singing. No, but no. was there any resistance to the kind of more to
2: the to the acting? Bit? Not really. What once I um, started working. I, I did a lot of walk-on work for Central Television in Birmingham in, in the summer, sort of when I was 14 and 15 and 16, and um, I did a radio play with Rudolph Walker, Carla Monroe, and Tony trading when I was 15, and I got paid for it, like probably paid. And so to be 15 years old and being paid through your summer, that was my summer job, and then paid to work for the BBC, uh, at Pebble Mill, you know, for my mom, it was just, my dad wasn't around, but for my mom, it was kind of, it just sort of made sense. And then I was getting the youth theater got reviewed, uh, in in the papers properly and so you know i know it got mentioned in reviews and positively and so for her it just seemed like well this isn't silly you're getting paid <laughs> obviously your peers are saying that you can do this i i enjoy what you're doing mm-hmm. so you know she just sort of went and, it? she encouraged it and um, i came down and auditioned for just cause it it,
0: school because it's raised it, i mean in, in terms of being 15 in birmingham it's a fairly multicultural city um was there ever a sense of being a black actor at that age, that that was going to become an issue later on? Was there ever a feeling, a concern, if there was one, that maybe that was going to be the thing that might prevent you going further with this?
2: Did, you know, I never, I never gave any thought to, to how um, <clears throat> limited uh, other people would view my opportunities until, I, until in hindsight, really, I, I, when I left drama school and I walked out into the world and thought, right, I'm going to work, and I was 20, and it was... Um, 1989 and i was coming out and then i had to really start thinking politically about the business and i and i did i did the world when i looked around then i thought my god this is this is not going to be easy this is going to be this is hard there there was no one that i could see
0: doing what i felt i could do because you have become one of those actors in a way where you've become a role model in a way for young black British actors, because it is it is achievable. You can work at the highest level in theatre and, and on screen. And, and I suppose that there's a lot more role models now, certainly. Definitely. Yeah, yeah, more yeah, definitely. You came out of drama school yeah. even more so than you definitely. were 15. Definitely. Did you have, you know, I mean, I don't want to read everything down to race, but did you have a, a black British actor role models when you were younger well working with carmen monroe and rudolph walker and toyama
2: trading i mean i knew, knew those guys from television and, and admired and respected them and so there was that and lenny henry um albeit at that time he wasn't uh, acting particularly but he was definitely and he was Birmingham. Path. Wasn't he he was well? Birmingham? yeah of course definitely cutting a path on his was and so on just just being multi-talented uh, as presenter as comedian as as you know Raconteur and then also as an interviewer, when he interviewed people, he always kept the bubble going. And yeah. he was just really, really good with people and, and performing. And so there were those kind of things going on. But mainly for the heavy dramatic stuff, it came from America, those influences, yeah. those, those kind of role models. Um, and, you know, I left drama school and just thought, wow, there's there's I, I didn't I didn't look at the work that everyone expected me to do. I, I kept an eye on the work that I really wanted to do. Which was um, Which was I suppose and he's stayed with me ever since really. Every job I I do, I suppose I just want that job to make me a better actor. So that's the only criteria for, for choosing work for me. That's great it's just is this going to am i going to be better at doing my job after this or than, worse or <laughs> or worse you know and sometimes you can be in a job and feel yourself shrinking as you go oh my god they want me to what and 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 that's when i just i get to this cutoff point and i go no i can't do this anymore
0: that's great that's i a, just i kind of can not it's do a it. wonderful way to make decisions um, so perfect almost perfect segue as good as you're certainly going to get on this podcast. Um, <laughs> in terms of the jobs, then that have made you, that have ha- helped you become a better actor, which ones stand out? So it's a slightly different question to what I normally ask, but just because I think of what you've said, and no one's ever said that before, I'm interested to find out what were the huge learning curves in your career, if one or two stand out. The the
2: massive learning curves. Um, working with Declan Donnellan. Uh, with Cheat by Jowl and doing as you like it, playing Rosalind and as you like it. That whole kind of two year, 18 month experience, because we did it twice, that was like my fourth year of drama school in a, in, a, in a funny way. Um, Declan and I got on like a house on fire, which, um, it was a, it was a brilliant sort of, you know, addition to the to the job. And then the rehearsal process and the freedom and the experimenting and uh, the it, it was uh it was a real a real eye opener, a real lesson. And then um working with Peter Brook, doing Hamlet that again was another one of those. Um when you well, say it,
0: when you're able to throw things like that it's not bad, <laughs> is
2: it? It's not bad, but but yeah, that whole process was uh was brilliant and um yeah, it was fantastic, so and so yeah, and, and doing company um, with Sam Mendes playing Bobby. Um, that physically, vocally, emotionally, and and physically with the dancing—that's probably the most demanding job I've ever done. Eight shows a week. That, yeah, that one probably was. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, what, what, what was your first pay? So I come out of drama school. What was your first paid job? Where did it begin?
2: My first paid job, I played. Um, I played a political prisoner in in a Pretoria in Pretoria prison um, in a play called um, "Hanging the President" by Michele. Mich- oh, he was he was sort of an Italian writer. It was amazing, but he wrote this play, and it was directed by Ian Brown at Traverse Theatre Edinburgh, and it was part of the first of all, and he, he wrote this play. And I, I had basically no lines. I, I, I only had one. I had to sing Nkosi Sikilele, Africa, the African National Anthem. Um, but it, the, the, the premise was, it was a forehander. premise was that two white inmates, one of them was the sort of head of the gang in the, in the Pretoria prison, um, were going to be hung in the morning. And so was I. Three condemned men. And I'm put in their cell. They're both narrow-minded, you know, absolutely yeah. racist. Afrikaans <laughs> racist. Um, and I'm put in their cell. And I haven't spoken. I've been tortured. I'm a political prisoner. I haven't spoken. So I'm a member of the MK. Um, the sort of um, military wing of the, of the ANC. And I've been thrown in this prison. And um, I haven't spoken. I haven't broken under torture. I'm going to be hung in the morning. And I'm put in this cell. And the, the wife, the weaker of the two men is told if, that if he can get me to talk, he'll get a reprieve. He won't get hung. But the other one has been told, you would just have to put up with it, the prison's crowded, and there's three of you in the sun. He's going, oh, my last night on Earth, I got to spend my time with a keffer. You know, that was the thing. Yeah. But the play was, I remember it being intense. Mandela was still in jail. You know, it was, it was, in, it was intense. And they... I did so much with silence because the play was written that yeah, way. Yeah. I just had to look, and this guy's shh, desperately trying to get me to talk. And one of them is insulting me. Them, and I just—I was just completely silent. And in the end, I sang this anthem. It's like, huge power and in that play. as well. Isn't huge it? power in it. But that was a learning curve. That was a massive yeah. learning curve. And I thought, oh, I've got no lines. <laughs> <laughs> you never thought that again. Never, ever thought that again. You know that kind of what's the? the it's now become um, apocryphal. There are no small parts to small actors. But. Um, I didn't have a word on the page, apart from this one song. So, you know, vocally, I just sort of I to shout all night and drink and have a laugh in Scotland, because yeah. <laughs> I knew that I did not have to protect my vocal cords for the next performance. Um, but yeah, it was, it, was, it was good. That was my first uh, play. And my second one, um, with Bridget Panning, who was a teacher at RADA. Uh, it was an education job for the National Theatre, um, and we'd spent, we went round the country teaching A-level students Uh, about Shakespeare and spent two hours in the morning with them going over the ambic pentameter and pronunciation and rhythm and clause and subclause and all that. And then in the afternoon we did a potted version of Midsummer Night's Dream for an hour with five actors. So I played Puck and Lysander. Um, And that again, I know, I know (laughs) massive. But there were were moments where I was lying on the, I had this jacket on and I I was lying on the floor and a jacket and a t-shirt and I had to, um, go to sleep as Lysander, then leave the jacket on the floor. Get up and be Puck, and bad. put put the poison in the thing in my eyes. Then lie down as Lysander, having the poison go in the eyes, and then get up and <laughs> speak. And it was it, it was great. She directed it brilliantly, but that was a huge learning curve. That's thinking back, all these jobs, man,
0: yeah, that's great. Um so, you know, it's fair to say at that point that uh, no one knows who. Adrian Lester is at that point, you know, in terms of the general populace. No, I hadn't done anything that has sort of broken yeah. that thing. What, what, do you think you had a big break? Do you think you, do you... Can you put down where you are today to one thing, or do you feel like it was more a succession of little things? A, a, a succession of
2: little things, really. And, and also, um, if I turn up at a theatre for, for, say, a, a, an opening night, people will... The audience will might recognise me for certain things. And and that's all to do with theatre. Yeah, and they're all different things. Um, walking down the road, people are going to go, "Oi, Mickey!" You know, because <laughs> of because of Hustle. Yeah, but then because that's been gone for so long now, um, what's nice? People go, "Oh, when's it going to come back? You can do it again." But now it's because of Undercover, yeah. which which I did with Sofia Kenédo. <clears throat> so there's a bit of that, and that that changes the 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 way every. The thing you're known for changes the way people approach you. Okay. Which is, you know, one of the things with the public, because you're in the television, you're in the room. Because Mickey's approachable, right? Mickey's approachable, but Mickey has kind of status, and Mickey's always three steps ahead of you. Okay. And people kind of approach you like that right <laughs> they approach you with that kind of I uh, don't want yeah. yeah, to get in your way yeah. but, um, they, so they approach you with that kind of thing I'm like a, a, yeah. <laughs> a mark yeah I'm a man mark now am I, am I ruining something but then there's also that feeling that um, uh, and I reckon if, I, if, I'd been, if I'd been on television playing a sort of oh laugh at me it's great fun we're just having a laugh uh, I'm a you know low status ooh he's just a bit of a clown kind of person and, and, and a great job and everything but I imagine people would approach me in a different way yeah, I've got to get
0: the you door. You don't yourself. No, no, no. Buy tickets to the best theatre in London the new way. With the Today Techs app, getting great offers and access to exclusive tickets has never been easier. With Today Techs Rush, you won't have to queue at the box office for hours to get day seats like some pauper. And you can access big savings with their lotteries. I'm going to open my app here and give you some bits of, you know, samples of what's available. There are tickets from £15 for A Very, Very Dark Matter. Or, sorry. Sorry, Martin. A Very, Very, Very Dark Matter. The Inheritance from 15 quid, True West from 18 quid, Tom Hiddleston in Betrayal. Hmm. Harry Potter and the Cursed Child. Lots of good stuff. Get on there download today text the theatre ticket app from the App Store and Google Play to see theatre differently but still with your eyes Yeah, so you were talking about people approaching in, and, and you know the nature of... Yeah, for different things and then uh, when people approach for
2: Undercover um, because I, I, I got to do on television in Undercover and um, the stuff that I'd only ever done on stage emotionally and the complexity of character. So the fact that I got to do that on television has changed how some people approach me, not recognizing me from, from that show. Um, because you can feel, you can actually feel a different a sort of weight of, of, if you like respect or, or, or a sort of, uh, it's more complex. It's it's not sort of just fun. Yeah. Um. And people approach you in that way, like, oh, you're you're a proper actor. One person actually said to me, "I didn't know you were a proper actor." After doing undercover compared to hustle, which you know, it can be slightly insulting. But actually, no, great, fine,
0: great. So yeah.
2: um that's that's that's
0: nice. Does it ever become tiresome? Does it ever I mean they say walking, getting recognised walking down the street? It's it's for one thing or the other, but it does that that thing become tiresome does that that very uh, fact that walking down a street i imagine it's fairly likely in certain parts of the country as well where they don't expect to see people off the telly mm. that when you're away working for example does that become a bit oh i can't be bothered going out
2: no no it's never become a be bother going out I, I i i get stopped in sainsbury's um or people will nudge my arm and go, "Oh hi!" Or, and people and I see people recognising me and not saying anything, and then other people just just go past. So it's not like I'm not like I'm not at that you know level of of recognition. I'm not no, like someone. So- I, I'm not on any East, on yeah. you know what I mean? Or Carnation Street. I'm not at that level. Um, I pop up uh, uh, occasionally, and um, so it's never become tiresome. Uh, I always, I always go out with a baseball cap. And what's weird is I've worn a baseball cap since I was 15, 14, 15. The hip-hop era and the dancing and the whole thing. it was, We just wore baseball caps. I just have baseball caps. I have loads of them. Um, but I do go out and I have my cap on and uh, I found, oh, that helps a little bit. But um, people have come up to me and hey, hey, does it work? Does it work? <laughs>
0: like, what, does does what work? You know, I see you're hiding. I'm not hiding. i am just got my cap on. <laughs> um, so... Taking it back then, I suppose, to the kind of processes that we all that we all share, because I guess the kind of the being recognized kind of end of it is is affects less of a percentage of the people who do the job um than it than it doesn't. So um the things we all share like uh auditioning to a certain degree or uh you know, when you get calls and all that kind of stuff. Um do you enjoy auditions? No. No way. Definitely not. Definitely
2: not.
0: No. Like, would you ever get to the point where you, you see if something was offered to you, you'd think I'd rather meet and have a chat about it, and not, some audition as such? But do you ever think like, I want to put myself through a hoop, or put them through a hoop, or I, I do.
2: <clears throat> what's great about the internet now, and I've I've been <laughs> I came out and worked, and there wasn't an internet, and now there is, and I've you know been working through the birth of it, and now it's become a household thing. Is that you can always check. A lot of people out,
0: Yeah, see
2: their work and so on. Yeah, it's great to get the job, but actually I'd rather, I'd rather have a supporting role in something that's brilliant than you know grab that lead role with a director who's actually rubbish and the vision is not good and no one knows what they're doing and all of that because they don't know what's the point. Because actually, because your face is on screen, you carry the job. So he says. I didn't like that last thing he was. He was in That last job, he he wasn't good in that. Mm. actually, the whole thing was shit. Yeah, I'd prefer to be part of something brilliant, but playing a supporting role. Um, The sort of uh, offer, subject to a meeting, is is the nice one. It's the ideal. That's the ideal. That's kind of. It's basically yours but they they want to meet and just chat because then you're just checking out that you're not assholes
0: yeah everybody there's an arsehole check there's like it's an arsehole
2: there is there's a gate just to make sure that you're not an idiot who needs certain color flowers in your room and all yeah yeah um but the auditioning thing pure going in reading hey nice to meet you uh show us that you can string a sentence together and you can act thing I never like. Have you
0: got better at it? Worse at it?
2: <clears throat> I've got better at it because through directing stuff and having been in the room while people are auditioning um, as the director, I've got better at auditions. So what? What has that other side of it taught you? Well, it's kind of it's it showed me that actually when you walk into a room, um, I've said this to students, but but the understanding that the casting director is actually working to show the director that they can get good people in the room. And they want to show how good you are. They want me to be good because they want to say, listen, my reputation goes on this. Then the director, Mm. as they start working with you, is going to show the producer how good they are at working with actors. (laughs) And the producer might be thinking, um, this person's just done this. And it's not about you. It's about this person's just done uh, a BBC show where they had a, a high um, level of men between the ages of 15 and 30 watching the show. So we want that audience also to come in to watch this show. Yeah. So that comes with this actor. So you have to be good with this actor. So if I walk in and go, OK, I've got a couple of questions about the script. Then the then the director's going, I fucking better know what I'm talking about because the producer wants me to. And it, and it rolls like that. Then you've got the exec who probably doesn't give a shit and is just saying, hurry up because it's costing me money, this room. Yeah. Um, so th- once I've broke down, actually there's there's not just one wall of people who just, you know, are sitting there going, I don't think you're very good.
0: People are actually working in the room trying to want you to be good for varying different reasons. Mm, interesting. Um, do you know when they've gone well? Like, do you, is it... Because some people say the opposite. Some people say, I think it's gone well, I get it. I think it's gone brilliantly, I never do. Uh, yeah, I, I... <laughs>
2: I do know when it's gone well, but then you don't hear anything for a while and that's because maybe it's gone off to the number one choice, who's a very slim chat possibility for them. But they the execs had them go... They had the one choice. But I think
0: you should still ask. Yeah,
2: you have the one choice. Meryl Streep <laughs> um, or Adrian Lester, you know, because we are completely in stage. That's of, how it works. As it works, but and, and they go for the one, the number one choice, and the number one choice is faffing around, thinking, oh, I might, I might not, and so you're just left hanging as a second choice. But and I've I've come down to being, you know, part of, part of the three top mm. or the two tops, and just constantly never got the job, never got the job, never got the job, never got the job, got the job. but. I am, I've become one of the ones that people will get in for a certain type of role and I think, well, great. Okay. At least I'm kind of there or thereabouts or, or thereabouts. I was talking to one casting director, and this is interesting to know, <clears throat> and I met him from America, Paramount, and I met him uh, in, in London and I'd worked for Paramount and a, um, a supporting one in a comedy show for them. Um, and he and I started talking about my love of martial arts, and he said, "Oh, would you mind if I get that on camera?" And He held up his iPad, mm-hmm. and I just started talking about the style and what I like about it and all that. He said, "Oh, that's good to have." And I thought, "Where does that go?" <laughs> yeah. And he went, "Oh, I put it into the casting bank at you know at the, at the studio." And I went, "What do what what you, what, are you casting what do you casting bank mean?" And he told me, which is, of course makes sense, that when you um, audition, you put yourself on the table, you audition for for a part uh, for the major studios. <coughs> I think they all do this now. It's worth checking. But they put, your name of course goes
0: into, you know, they, they take the file. Yeah, because it's all digital. It's all digital. It goes into a bank. And they put a little few flags on it, like, exactly. you know, martial arts, yeah. great, that, that.
2: So when, when Football. they've got a role coming up, and they thought, oh, what about this actor, Adrian Lester? <coughs> um, They can put the name into the bank, and up will come every audition I've done for that studio. So they can watch all of them and see what I'm like. And you suddenly go, fuck. So I've realised that when you go to audition... Oh, that is
0: terrifying, no, Adrian. but
2: it's actually, it's great. It's it great, means, but it's terrifying. It's terrifying because it means you're not just auditioning for that job. You're also auditioning for anything else they might have over the next three or four years in that audition. So
0: it's, it's, it's terrifying. It's brilliant, but it's terrifying. And I wish i would known it five years ago. Since <laughs> <laughs> it's
1: better that I found out today than five years from now. Yeah, but so that, still, that's I'm, that's I'm
0: that's... now just, now all my auditions are going. Like, all roll. the ones where I've went... Do you know what? I'm never going to get this and I don't have time to prepare. I'm and thinking, Fuck. I thought it probably should have just not turned
2: up is the thing. <laughs> and, and the other thing, I don't know we're oh, going to move on, but the other thing about that is that I was talking to a casting director and she said <clears throat> all the good directors that she works with, they always come in and watch. We flag the actors that we think are good. They always come in and watch the takes of the actors that we think are good. Even if the actor hasn't got the role and they've given it to somebody else because they then take all the ideas that have come from the other actors playing it. Oh, of course. Because you'll get some amazing French actor, you'll get some amazing British actor. Of get course. It. Then when the American actor's on set playing the role, the director's got a suitcase full of great ideas that came from all the a tapes. Of, yeah. yeah. That's brilliant. And hands them to the actor playing the role. So actually, if you come up with a good idea and do a good audition, you're actually helping the guy who's getting the, the job be better.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's, because we need that. Because like, so, we do need yeah, that. Because that's helpful when you're, you're not employed. Yeah, that's fantastic. Yeah, that, that guy is getting paid's also got my ideas. Um, <laughs> he's, he's doing my, my my version of it, but only he's getting paid. <laughs> um, so uh do you I mean the other side of it, do you still get excited? Have you got less excited over time when you get a job? I mean I imagine the first time you got a job, that job at Edinburgh coming out of drama school, that was a fairly exciting moment. I my my agents uh, she she has mentioned that I'm kind of strange that way.
2: I go to the I go to the next <laughs> level. If I if I get the script I go, oh that's really good. Okay, what, what work do I have to do? <clears throat> I will do the work. I go in the room, I do the work. Then I walk away. Oh, you've got to the next stage. I go, right, that's great. So what work do I have to do? What do I have to do now? Oh, there's some new scenes, right? Fine. It's always the next thing. Right. And then she go. they 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 want you to do the role. I go, Great, that's fantastic. Okay, so I didn't get the accent right, so I have to do some work on that. And I have to do some research on police in that area. Okay, that's fantastic. So when are they when do they, the they want to shoot the one to do this? Okay, what work do I have to do at home to make the, that work with the kids? And I just go on to the next thing. And she said, You're gonna sort of Celebrate celebrate at any point? <laughs> or just go, yay? And I go, Oh yeah, no, of course, yay. Great,
0: yay. But um Do why? you celebrate? Like do you like say, you know When I finished a job when I finished a job. But she would never like you know, your wife comes in and you've been talking about it the night before and you say I got it and yeah. there's like a moment of and is there a discussion of shall we open a bottle like does it does that kind of celebration ever happen
2: mm, uh, but with the stuff that we're trying to get off the ground now, which is more film me directing, and my wife has written if that happens there'll be like a four or five day celebration <laughs> um, but uh actually we we do it when the job's over we sort of we sort of have that kind of yay, fantastic, I got a role, you know, and that's great, great director, great place, wonderful, great part. But when the job is finished, the last night is over, then we sort of go, ah, and that normally comes with up. <laughs>
0: Yeah, of course. Yay. <laughs> but then, I mean, the thing is, I suppose that's good because it kind of softens the edge of the beginning of possible unemployment. You know, you, kind of, you start unemployment with a celebration. Yes. Yay.
2: Yay, I'm unemployed. <laughs> right. But I, I find that you do all your real work when you're unemployed.
0: That's when you do all your real work. What's the longest, I mean, in that entire period from drama school on, what's the longest you've gone without meaningful work? Th- that was a good lesson, actually. I was unemployed
2: for a year, solidly. Um, with no voiceovers, no TV, no, nothing. Um, and that was after I'd done what was arguably my biggest break, which is primary colors. And I went to America and did that film, uh, an amazing time. Learned loads, came home and, and it could have been my agent then or not, but I came home and I thought, right, I'm not going to audition to play the sort of minor supporting role in a theater piece after doing primary, playing the lead in an American film, I have got to get some television, some kind of television.
0: Yeah.
2: And I, and I waited, and waited and waited and waited and waited and waited and nothing came along. And I went and met people and I auditioned and told them about what I've been doing. Nothing. And it's one of those moments, there's been about three moments in my career where I've thought, well, sod this, I'm going to America. And at the toward the end of that, I thought, sod this, I'm going to America. And then Lenny James um the actor had written a piece called Storm Damage and the BBC had finally said yes we'll do it and uh we started shooting that and that was a year
0: after <laughs> I'd done primary colours. So that was the longest of the So when when that comes along, that time, uh do you you say you know, you thought three times about I'm I'm gonna go to America, is there ever I'm gonna do something else? No, never. Has there ever even momentarily been a kind of a when you were younger, for example, thinking maybe it, maybe it's not it's not too late for me. I could do something. I could be a singer. <laughs> I could, you know, I could go and teach martial arts or. I mean, I, the, the they've always been a sort of as
2: well as as well as acting. Do you read reviews? Yeah.
0: At the at the time that you're doing a show, yeah. How do you feel that changes or does it change what you're doing? Um. Some, it
2: always changes it for the better, uh, because if I don't agree with a reviewer, I can just cancel cancel it and just uh, forget about it. If I, don't have any, if, I, if I have little faith in the show and I don't like what we've all done and I don't really like what the audience are getting, then I'll steer clear of reviews. But normally, um, I will read them as a way of, did they see anything that can be improved? And sometimes with some really good reviewers, uh, they, do. they do. They pick up on something that I think, ah, you know what? I remember mentioning that in the first week of rehearsal and I forgot about it. And then I'll just shift, change, tweak something.
0: On a similar note uh, to reading reviews, have you ever Googled yourself? Yeah, have you ever found come across anything that again has has changed how you feel about yourself as an actor, or is that stuff less <laughs> less important? That stuff is really much less important. But I I,
2: I have done that because when walking into uh, companies now and saying, oh yes, this film, and yes, I could I'll, I could play that part, and here's the story, and, and I know that they'll go
0: away and they'll Google me, they'll Google you. So, you so need, I you I, need I to know what they know.
2: Yeah, I kind of Google myself and think what what's what's popping up, what's there. Also, I live quite a you know, Lilita and I have been together um, for 30 years now. And so we live quite a straightforward, boring, I suppose, life. We're not po- falling out of clubs at 2 a.m. Yeah, yeah. In the arms of someone else drunk. Yeah. You know, we're not, you know, doing all sorts of crap. And so it, that's kind of us. We're kind of fairly straightforward. And I know that we're kind of boring, really. We're not really um, newspaper fodder. Which is uh, good. Which is great, which is great. Um um but uh, I do occasionally google myself just to see just to see how I'm seen I suppose yeah.
0: you said you, you've your career spanned I suppose the kind of the the arrival of and the growth of the internet hmm. um has that changed not a bit, but beyond just googling people before you go and meet them has that changed the industry do you think yeah, I mean, what yeah. what changes have you seen in the industry that Related to that and otherwise, like for, I mean, in that thirty years, I guess since since entering it,
2: uh, the, the visual, the way we can watch content, how many screens we have, um, and the access to content has just jumped through the roof. It's just become incredible, um, and the the rise of the of the YouTube stars, and the the fact that people. You know, we can spend a lot of time concentrating on character and motivation and lines and script and all of that. <clears throat> um, but actually, you see people watching it on the train, and checking their stop and just laughing every four lines and looking at a, a certain moment. And you don't have to have a beginning, middle and end. You can just have a punchline. And that punchline will go around the world much more than any program you've you spent millions on for the BBC. <laughs> and the three people involved in doing that one punchline can make a show out of just doing punchlines. You know, next week we're going to just try and do it with a big water
0: balloon. And, and this, this stuff, I'm watching this stuff from open mouthed. That doesn't change. Ah. Yeah, that, that doesn't change. That doesn't make you any less inclined to think about character. It you know, doesn't make you any less inclined.
2: And... But you can see that in order to grab the attention, viewing figures have gone right down. Yeah. Because everyone's watching so many other things. Mm-hmm. Um, which means that the amount of money advertisers pay to pay alongside shows has gone right down mm-hmm. because yeah, people are people watching. It. Yeah. So therefore, the money that goes into the shows goes right down. So you can feel that happening. And unless you get something... I mean, it's great that you get things like a Netflix and an Amazon and Hulu and so on because then it pushes the TV thing back up and HBO. It pushes the quality of production right back up. It's
0: interesting you you talked about not being newspaper fodder and that one of the things I think that's moved on I have observed in my you know say 15 years doing it is that people have become more concerned with their public image people who have no real need to be concerned about their public image are concerned Mm. about their public so agents are as somebody told me recently somebody who works a lot told me their agent had a had a a workshop for some of the actors to come in and learn how to use twitter and all this kind of stuff and things that make me kind of cringe but i kind of it's the american model of like you know the Mm -hmm. publicist and all that stuff Mm -hmm. um is that something that you i guess you do a lot of publicity for for projects but you as an individual is that something you've ever chased have you ever been kind of concerned about you know being at events or do you think those things are important do you think it's important to show up at things selected Um, things obviously not everything
2: i I mean maybe it is but i i I don't do that i think that if you have to have some sense of anonymity because people have to i'm not a tv star or film star so i don't get paid to pay to, to play different versions of myself same accent, same mannerisms, same place of birth, Same. that's not me. That's not the kind of actor I am. A lot of people do. So if they can take that persona, you know, you, you get the tin of beans and what you see on the tin is what you get inside. They can take that persona and put it everywhere and go, oh, you know what? I like that persona, I like yeah. that guy. And they can have that thing. Whereas for me, that's not really good because
0: you can if, play with tin of beans in my movie. Yeah exactly. Yeah. you
2: know I really should have chosen a different product on a supermarket <laughs> shelf. But it. um but you what you see is what you get. And what what some people don't like is that when they see this thing they go, well that's actor. They go, well what am I gonna get in there? I don't know what I'm gonna get. <laughs> yeah. yeah well what's it gonna be well, wait, well what's he I don't know what it so, gonna be good exactly. or bad or accent or what I like where? where you've gone with this. Do you this, know what I, mean? yeah, this I don't I don't know what I'm gonna get. So but so therefore sticking that product all over the place won't do you any good because you're not a personality, you're not a persona, because when you do a job, you're completely different. Yeah, And I like that. And so therefore I don't, I don't try to do that. I do do Twitter because I found that I really like the fact that people can ask me direct questions and I can answer them directly. And it's not going, it's not filtered through any publicist or anything like that. It's me. And I'll do that sometimes in the morning and I'll just
1: someone the said conference.
0: to me it was, it, it was good because they realized that it put their vo- their actual unedited voice back into things yeah and that they were in control so if, so if something was being misreported, that they had a means by which to communicate mm-hmm. the, their version of events yeah exactly one of the better <laughs> and when i when i've done that when i've actually had to answer
2: someone and say actually you did this um in interview the effect has been really powerful and um and so I, I don't say anything unless I have to. If I think that there's something that people who follow me might be interested in, I'll point to it. But apart from that, it's not it's not a soapbox. It's just... Um, I can actually have a conversation sometimes with people who are a student who's studying drama in Leicester and is thinking, well, what should I do now? And they ask me a question and I can answer.
0: It is, it is becoming increasingly important, though, for certain types of work. So, for example, um, I've been in rooms... Uh, i used to work in a pr company when i wasn't acting where the conversation on the other end of the phone has gone when they're booking someone for an event so like the kind of actor usually he does soaps or whatever he also makes a sideline income from opening and cutting a ribbon at a supermarket right but but slightly more higher level than that like giving an award out, at, at you know virgin short film awards or whatever and the conversation has gone okay uh are they available no um, okay, who else is, Who else have you got? Okay, okay. How many Twitter followers do they have? Because they don't know who the person is, but the only qualifier they need is what's their social clout? You know what I mean? Like what's their kind of... <laughs> and there is, I think, a generation of actors now, below certainly both of us, who who think that if they can get enough Twitter followers and if they can pay a publicist for a year and be seen at things, then offers will come in right and, and I guess there is some there must be a seed of truth in that because it does seem to happen occasionally yeah do you think we're moving towards that kind of uh, I'm an American thing where is perhaps talent becoming less important do you think in in and even amongst the kind of you know I didn't know you were a real actor <laughs> like even amongst the jobs for real actors uh-huh. is anybody you see out there and you think you're just you know this is a hollow PR campaign yeah, but
2: I I think I think I've seen that on a couple of people, on a few people. But you know, maybe it's a hollow PR campaign until they get the right job that shows they can actually do something. Yeah, of shit. course. But sometimes I've watched people and just thought, you better do something quick because that bubble's that bubble's gonna <laughs> yeah. burst. That bubble is going to burst. You and better yeah. not show up on the loose women yeah, table so, no. again. Yeah <laughs> for the fifth time. You better you better come out in something quick because actually you're you're um you're not showing you're showing that you have more sort of public you're courting public awareness of nothing of nothing yeah. it's not based on anything
0: he's not working what is what do we know him for <laughs> yeah. um so 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 then to kind of quickly I guess please bring that round somewhere else how important is talent if it's not say PR say the other thing is luck right let's let's so this is talent and luck are the two are the two poles right whereabouts do you think you Know which is more important? Oh, uh, the talent is more important, definitely, because no matter
2: how lucky you are, I mean, as um, a brilliant actor James Earl Jones, um, said, he said, um, that he's always found that the harder you work, um, the luckier you seem to get. Um, and he works hard, <laughs> but uh, being on stage with him, man, the man, the man just is. Just, just, amazing um but uh luck will maybe get you in the room or get you the job once you get the job you have to execute it yeah. there always comes a point of execution and luck doesn't play a part in execution maybe you're lucky because something happens in the public or, uh, arena that you know links to your job that you've just done and then everyone goes oh did you see that film about the da, da da?" maybe but you still have to have execution
0: have you been lucky that said um to get you to the point of execution? I don't
2: think so. Things that have happened seemingly out of the blue, like even getting Hustle, right? I thought, oh, I mean, I had to audition for that. And, and also, three you, were, times. you were in Henry V. I wasn't Henry V at the time. <laughs> but getting that from the T oh, oh, you want to cast the theater actor? That's what you get. Yeah. But even getting that, I remember having a conversation with, um, with Jane um, Featherstone who, who's now running a different company but was was um, the producer on that and I did say to her well, you know in third series in, I just said how how did you find you know because producers don't go to the theatre I said somebody dragged me to the theatre and this was must have been five years before to see a, a musical that the on my warehouse and I went oh really I said and it was company I said, no, and I, I saw you in company and I always thought oh I want to try and get something to work with that guy because it'd be great. So, when the hustle came up and I heard you were auditioning, I thought, like, great. And so, that was the thing. And you never
0: really know. That's the you thing. Never really you never know. know what a job might lead to. But
2: I worked I my ass off for company. Of course. Which led to what, what could be perceived as being, oh, you just got lucky and got that job. But have actually, been, the two things
0: have Have you been unlucky? Have you ever sat in those moments when you're not working and it's grey outside and thought, if I'd have got that, if I'd have, if I'd have got that? Oh, do, do you find it hard to watch things you haven't got? Like if something was on TV or you turn a page in a magazine and it's that film that you auditioned for and some other some other lucky guy's got it and he's at the point of execution and beyond and you're sitting here. Do you ever think, <laughs> if only? Uh, yeah, all the time. All the time, yeah. But that's part and parcel of actually wanting the
2: job. If you want it, then you're going to be disappointed about not getting it. And then I have this thing where I... I I have watched people do things that I've auditioned for, and I've watched them do it, and thought, "There's no way I could have done that."
0: That's brilliant. That's the, that, that's great, though. That is good. I, I don't find that discouraging. I find that because what you don't want is to watch something and think, "I've had that one too." That guy's awful. I've had that too. Where they I've th- just thought they've missed this they've, better, missed this, they've he, missed this, they've missed this. I think he's better than me. <laughs>
2: <laughs>
0: I'm terrible.
2: I'm terrible. I, I I've watched things where I've, I've that I've auditioned for, and I've looked at the the execution of it, and I've just thought that I. Because of the what the actor is, either they're older or they've just got a longer career, they've got weightier, they're more powerful. I think. Well, actually, you know, great, but I'm not. I don't have that weight on screen. You couldn't do that. There's nothing better. Couldn't
0: because it lets you off the hook. Yeah, I just couldn't do that. I just couldn't do that. Um, Do you get jealous of Friends. friends? So those are people that you might not know. If you, you ever um, and I qualify this as I have done, I did for the other day. Uh, in the I said I get jealous sometimes of people who I'm not even competing with. <laughs> so it could be it could be Meryl Streep, you know. It could be oh, yeah, it could be it yeah. could be the opportunity. Yeah. So I mean, not necessarily the person, but the opportunity. Do you get jealous of friends? Um, no, not jealous. I get I envy
2: the position sometimes, and I think that's that, what they're doing is brilliant. But you know, I then it becomes a life thing because I have to put the whole package in. And I you know, both I'm at home, I waved goodbye to both my kids this morning. I'll might I'll be here just about when they come back and then I'll go and teach a class. Um my wife's here we live in a lovely place everyone's healthy you know there's, there's this whole thing that comes with it and when I look at the circumstances of other actors I see yeah I envy that I really envy that but that person can pack a bag and disappear for six months and you know they don't have the responsibilities they don't have those things so
0: yeah that's mine um so yeah, we're just talking about uh, about jealousy taking hold. Are you competitive then? With myself, yeah.
2: With myself, I'm. I'm I uh, that thing I said to you before. I always want to improve, and I don't. I don't want to tread water, and I will sometimes take a step sideways. But I have to step forward,
0: and I always give myself a real kicking if I don't. Um, this is a bit of a sidestep in an interview. Um, and that it's not it's pretty much a non sequitur. Um, but it's just kind of struck me as a as a question. Um <laughs> uh, well, first of all, have you been more conscious actually let's take it back, of things having looking back, you said earlier we talked about about race and about being a young black actor coming out of drama school and looking around and realizing for the first time that this might, you know, lead to a spot and then you talked about glass ceiling, that this might actually there might be a glass ceiling. <laughs> um are you still aware of things being more difficult for you because of your, the fact that you're a black actor? So, so when you look around at contemporaries that aren't, do you feel like you have in some ways been held back because of that? In, it, I'm never in the room when I
2: don't get the job, and I'm never in the room when someone says, actually, we don't want to see him for this role. Um, but in the years that I've been working I can look around and see many more faces that represent the rest of the planet at <laughs> yeah. at, w- at work in in Britain or even the rest of the country even the rest of the living country I can see many more faces at work in Britain so, so that's changed and speaking with Lenny Henry and Marcus Ryder and Pat Young and Barbara Emile and talking about you know off come and talking about how things need to change at first when complaints were raised we as a group of media uh, artists were told oh there's no problem what do you mean there's a problem of course there's no problem well there's that person's working there, that person's working there of course there's no problem then the we, the problem was raised again and it was it was just sour grapes because you know of course you just haven't got that job you didn't get that job you're kind of thinking oh my god there's no problem then the problem was raised again but this time people had left the country and gone to America and had got their talent had actually shoved them up higher yeah um, in America than they would in Britain so that was an example of what was wrong that shone yeah. a light um, and there are there are some there are amazing white actors male female up and down the country, who do not get the opportunities that they that they should. Absolutely, absolutely true. But those actors can stand up and look around and see people like themselves doing the amazing roles. So there's a kind of a reflection Is in, oh, okay, I haven't been seen by the right people or I haven't been lucky enough. So there's, a, there's an opportunity there. But when you're working hard and you look around and don't see anybody like yourself, then you think there's something wrong here.
0: Uh, yeah.
2: So there has to be something wrong with the picture. So... Once the complaint was made again, and the example of um, actors going to America and saying they've done really well over there, there is something wrong with our industry, Um, Lenny Lenny Henry stood up and said something at the Sony Awards, and the papers went for him. And rather than back down, Lenny then came back with figures. He doubled down and went, look at the figures. These are the figures. It's not me. It's not sour grapes. These are the figures. And suddenly the newspapers went, oh, ooh, industry, what, you, what have you got to say about that then? Yeah. <laughs> and some of the industry went, oh, well, uh, yeah. at first there's no problem. You're being, you're being silly. Then there's, yeah, there's a problem, but we're doing something about it. Now there's, oh, oh shit, there's a problem. Um, well, uh, and now scramble. the recent... The scramble. So the recent push of casting now, there's lots, I mean there are, I, I can feel opportunities knocking on my door now. I'm thinking these these doors were oh, really? closed
0: before all, all of a sudden, it's like all of a shit! sudden.
2: I mean, these doors were closed. My knuckles are raw from banging on these doors, and now they're going, we'd like to have lunch. and I, and I'm thinking I'm, and I'm thinking, shit. Um, so that's changed, but now we're trying to make sure that. Let's not go back to that situation ever again. Let's always make sure that a certain percentage of what's out there is yeah. always balanced, and let's make sure the opportunities at the other end of the scale as well. And it's not just you know, it's not just black. It's not, it's, it's, it's disability. It's it's female. It's, we're just we're actually getting fed up of being told um, actually you're just this kind of character. And as long as your character influences the lead man, then you're fine. And we think no, it's time to actually reflect the country as it is. Yeah. yeah. Well I I I start thinking, well, is it a documentary? Uh no. Right. But and the people <laughs> that's the, your starting point. The people that you want to pay to see it, where are they? <laughs> <laughs> oh they're all oh I see. Oh right. Okay, good. No, fine, that's fine.
0: Yep, as yeah. long as you're as long as you know as what long you're doing, as you know, that's fine. Um so uh just very quickly moving it on then, um We've had a a chat about lots of things that we would have chatted about anyway, so it's great. Um, Have you ever been aware of a job changing you? So getting back to that kind of sense of growing or changing or learning as an actor, as a human being, has has, uh, playing a part ever altered you for good or for bad, temporarily (laughs) or permanently? Uh, Yeah. Yeah, it's the cliche. Actually, playing Hamlet did, but
2: then also working with Peter did. So the whole experience changed me completely. Um, doing, um,
0: hu- doing hustle did, taught me a lot. Do you think you would be a different? And this is you never ask this question categorically because it's a, it's a what if kind of version of events. Um, would you be a different person? I mean. It, had you not had the experiences you've had as an actor. So um, some of the older actors I've spoken to, I mean, much older actors have talked about how being an actor makes them, they find it very hard to categorically believe one thing because they're they're trained to constantly question or empathise with people who disagree with them. And so they've, they've, they become less strong in their opinions as they get older. They become, which is actually against what, most people will tell you, but old age psychologists will tell you the older yeah, you get, yeah, yeah, yeah. the more set in your ways you get. And the older actors I've spoken to have said, no, they find it very difficult because they're always thinking, but why does this person believe this? And you know that kind of thing. Do you do you, do you feel that or or? I I, I do feel that, um, but I I kind of only in
2: terms of of having an empathic response to their point of view, but not not believing as they do I still I still hold my opinions um, rigorously uh, but because I can see their point of view um, it, it means my opinions are even stronger I feel because I've, I can shake them I always attack my own opinions from a yeah. from a different point of view and so um, yeah I do I, I really empathize with a lot of people and even when I'm listening to things on talk radio or lbc or you know yeah. I, I listen to it and i think this is the most obnoxious person i've ever heard but actually i can, you can see why i can see the structure of their argument yeah and so rather than get on a sort of left-wing high horse and go but that's just wrong um i actually think oh but you you can break it down here 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 uh,
0: we're in the kind of almost rapid fire now oh, uh is being an actor hard uh yeah uh artistically Practically, financially, which one Um, more than any other?
2: Practically, uh, financially, it has been, and touch wood, um, through that period. It was around the point we bought this house. Uh, um, And artistically, it depends what you do, it depends what you say yes to. You only have one power, that's to say no. That's your only power. You can't say yes, I'll do that job. You can't, you have to be offered it. (laughs) The only power you have is uh, no, I don't want to do that. I don't want to go for that audition.
0: Uh, do you consider yourself an artist? Uh, at times. <laughs> Depends on the job. Depends on the job.
2: Depends what I'm working on. Most, most of the time, I think I'm just a problem solver. Most of the time, you're just problem solving. You're clearing stuff out of the way, making stuff make sense. Interesting. Um, do you consider yourself successful? Uh, Yes, all things considered, and and for me, a strong part of that is the relationship, the kids, the home setup. I, th- I think I'm really enjoying this period of success.
0: Uh, how would your twenty year old self evaluate where you've got to? Uh, my twenty year old self would. Um,
2: I sometimes come home and and remember me at twenty one, twenty two visiting older actors who were really established and really well known and it would be like walking into this place and seeing them settled and And that's gratifying that's gratifying i sort of go oh my god i've become that thing
0: (laughs) (laughs) well i turned up earlier and i had that feeling i was like looking at the house in the front thinking yeah i mean this is this is you're you're at one of those and i'll never this will never we'll never you know what i mean you just go well yeah and i and i and i and sometimes, because unfortunately, I- though I'm not 21, no.
2: <laughs> <laughs> but there's there's the council there's there's these parts of me. There's the council estate kid who went skateboarding to go to the national the, the um, Midlands Art Centre and used the rooms because he couldn't afford to pay for them to dance, to sing, to do his own thing, um, break down some practice moves, and then go home again and do a little bit of homework before going to school in the morning. And that kid still lives here because I'm just still that kid. I'm still that kid who who was on that council estate. And I hope to God I will never forget that. You just went very brumly there. You in the see, past twenty like, seconds. The, as you were talking about that, psychotherapist will know. Just, just it just went It, it heavily it, came in. Yeah, it's just it's a real it's a real thing. It's in the it's it's in the back of my head, and it's not a chip. It's not a thing. It's not a whatever. It's just to look how far, you know, grandfather to to mother, mother then to me, me from Birmingham on. There's a straight line, and I just look how far. It's come to this. To and I kids. never, Yeah, to never forget that. And I try to remind my kids of that, although I, I tell them, you, don't, you won't feel it, because what was for me a council estate on a balcony and a little bike that didn't have a chain that I used to used to go down the road and play with my mates, that's my 12, 13, 14, but for you it's this.
0: Yeah, for you it's nice trees. Yeah, and
2: you have to remember that that is the tree. I said, you have to remember that you're growing up in what is a sliver of the 1%. Um, in this country and that's just a fact and you have to just walk with that and know that it's not your fault
0: and not, not apologize for no, it no it's absolutely. not your fault
2: but just know it yeah, <laughs> just know it and uh, they go yes you have, uh, you have gifted your children middle class guilt <laughs> yeah and I remind them I give them it with breakfast middle class guilt I give
0: it to them with breakfast so, never had milk when I was young <sighs> Uh, See, so I already answered how you define success. Uh, I'll <laughs> ask you if you could go back and offer your younger self advice. And you've offered lots of advice today, um, largely about you know the, the stuff like you can only say the only part you have to say no about always wanting to learn from a job, and that's the kind of main deciding factor for you. Um, but if you were to go back to that 21, 22 year twenty-two-year-old, um, and offer him some advice about not so much how to get here, but maybe to avoid some of the side steps along the way or maybe the sidesteps were useful, is, so do of want to kind of, in a way, end, give me your answer? What kind of advice would you give specifically to him?
2: I suppose when I would do these chats uh, with students, what I say to them is what I would, say, would have said to myself when I was younger, um, because you're, you're full of insecurity. You've just got this big barrel of insecurity. And actually, you can only be good externally or in a job or appear good on stage or appear good in something or appear good with people by going inside by going quietly inside, because if you watch somebody's performance on screen and you say, "Well, could I do that?" Yeah, you could. You can copy it because you got the voice and the presence and the rhythm, and the, you, you can absolutely copy that. The thing is, when faced with the rehearsal room or the set and the blank, the the, the script and blank stage, would you come up with that? And the, the thought to come up with that is only something that happens right inside. So I would just keep saying concentrate on inside, concentrate on your, on what you think is weak about you. If you don't have a very good singing voice, but you're going to know it doesn't matter, matter, it matters work it. If you think, ah, oh, you know, I love, all, I love it all, but I'm not quite good with movement and my hip's a bit stiff, work it. Work that problem out. Because somewhere, somehow, you'll be doing something where you're in a field or you have to do a sword fight with someone, and that'll hold you back. So just always go inside, find your weakness, and work it until it's not a weakness anymore. And what's weird is that for me, when I, from where I'm from, which I've already talked about, um, Shakespeare... And, and classical theatre of that level was a massive weakness, didn't do it at school, didn't do it in new theatre, did one play at RADA, which wasn't a full play, it was a sort of workshop thing, and left RADA knowing about Shakespeare and, and knowing the nuts and bolts, but not having done it. And I thought, you have really got to learn to do this. And what's ironic now is that part of my persona is that I'm a
0: Shakespearean actor. Shakespearean actor. <laughs> Shakespearean actor, Edwin Lester. Um, is, is, I didn't know you were a proper actor. Um, <laughs> yes. uh, not many people do. <laughs> so then, um, what makes you angry in
1: the industry? Um.
0: There's an answer, just and they, it, it it's just it's inside your. Right. I can it see is, it, I can it see is. The I, just. I. What what makes me what
2: it, it's it's the ego attached to some people that will and it gives the whole thing a bad name, but that will that will pull a whole production off course just because that ego needs to be served. And this is producer, director. Actor, this is—I mean—some of the some of the egos in the in in the industry. Every job, be it stage, theatre, um be it theatre or, or, or TV or film, it's this delicate balance of all these bits working together seamlessly, and one ego in the middle of that destroys it.
0: Have you ever felt yourself like, oh, maybe I'm becoming an ego? Because sometimes I have felt like when I'm when I'm when I feel like I'm being principled over something. Whenever yeah, whenever sometimes I, a stand. Feel, I feel like uh, is this a stand or am I on the other side of this? Is everybody in the production office going? Oh, he's just a, he's just <laughs> demanding, and then you have to kind of work it backwards and go, you no, know it's and I'm, indefin- I'm in the right here. I'm in the right. Yeah. Do you ever fear that you, you ever have those moments where you think, is this is this ego or is this? Um.
2: Yeah, sometimes I've thought that. But then you still have to turn up and execute. And I, and I think that if, if you've demanded, asked for certain things, and you said, look, I think this, I think this, I think this, and I, actually, I need this, 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 this. Then, however it's given, when you turn up, if you fucking execute and you are an addition, a positive addition to the company and the crew and everything yeah. like that, then actually, you've just asked for what you needed. So yeah. I think Evian bottles of water that I demand in my contract are actually fine. Really? That was a joke, by the way.
0: No, I, I don't say that that was. I think, if you're more, I mean, that, that doesn't mean that's not the worst of it. Like, I mean, if that's the level of Davidum, then you don't know Davidum. Um, uh If you were in charge for a day, if I made you uh, King, Prince, Adrian the V, uh, and you were in charge for a day and you had a to do list in the morning, as I'm sure you do many mornings what kind of things would be at the top of that list? Uh, at the top of that list, we'd be having a, a, a
2: very big conversation about Brexit. <laughs> 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 With all the people in charge, it'd <laughs> be a big conversation. We
0: need to sit down. And we need to talk about bread. <laughs> yeah.
2: Let's just sit down and talk about this. Now.
0: That's going to take most of your day, in
2: fairness. Yeah. Find Cameron, get his ass here. We're going to have a chat. We're going to have a chat.
0: <laughs> and Boris, you can come in too. You can come in too. Boris is not going to be good. I'll just let you know yeah. that straight away. That would take your whole day, and that would be a day well spent. That would be a day. That'd be so. By, I mean, my in fairness, day. I'm not going to ask you to, for any more beyond that Um, okay uh second last question do you worry more about health uh money or secure or or work career so
2: uh money money is is career and security so they they go hand in hand um and i'm always planning the next thing self-employed you can't stop planning what might happen if um so i've always kind of since I, for a while, I've always sort of spent, in, always spent half of what I've got, always, and no matter how much I've got, I've always spent half of it. A little bit, if I had to, I spent half. I don't spend any more. Just that's it. I've never got anything on HP apart from the house. Um, never. Even buying the car, when we wanted the car, just wait three years, four years. Just wait, 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 and then just like that. And people don't expect that garages don't expect that they just and I'm well I'm anal like that it's kind of weird I will not I will not I'll pay for it in one go so that I pay the price and not the price times a half yeah yeah ain't doing it Um, but I do do worry about health as I've got older which is why I think this is sort of this golden period at the moment because parents for both of us are fine my wife has lost her, her, her mother and I've lost my my dad but remaining parents are fine all other relatives are fine we're fine kids are fine so you just I've just sort of said you're
0: old enough to have a career
2: yeah. and be stable and be stable and yet be a dad and yet be so I'm, I'm looking at this point now I'm just going this is cool but I am aware of health for other people and for what might go wrong and I'm just sort of thinking
0: ahead to that uh, last question are you in anything at the minute <laughs>
2: um,
0: uh, I uh, did a I'm That's uh, past tense Adrian oh in it at the minute okay yeah. I'm not on stage at the minute I um, love this because actors automatically go to because <laughs> he hasn't cause Cause that, people asking you and you go to you go, You basically starts. I've uh, just done this I've just done the thing and then I'm about to do this thing right <laughs> <laughs> at the minute
2: um, Josie Rourke is doing Mary Queen of Scots and I'm in
0: that uh, thank you very much for your time it's May been an welcome. absolute you're pleasure welcome. Um yeah, it's, it's, uh, I think there's loads of stuff people in there are going uh, to listen to and uh, think that's, that's some genuine wisdom right there. <laughs> that's <laughs> some hard-earned wisdom. <laughs> so thank you. If there's wisdom in there, that's fantastic.
2: We want that. <laughs> keep that and cut the rest. <laughs> thank you very much. You're welcome.
0: That's it. That is episode two of the podcast, Done and Dusted. There is no episode three today, but keep an ear out. It may be here sooner than you think. Hashtag best of honest actors. Read and review. Tell
1: everyone. Speak to you soon.